generation where Christianity has turned into something else. People thought that they can be Christian and still live the way they choose. Now this morning, God is telling us that as for us, we must be careful that we don't drift from the faith and what we have. Hallelujah. And I want us to consider some few quotations in Hebrews. Hebrews, I see it as a, a climax of all that God wants us to know about his son and also how strategically we Christians can position ourselves to inherit the kingdom of God. So there were some points, warning points in there that Paul, I believe that it's Paul who wrote it. Others have other version or other thoughts about what Paul said, which were all warning points unto us that if we are not careful, though we may claim that we are Christians, we have drifted. And I pray that somebody in this room will not drift. Hallelujah. One is Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3. It says, so what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord, Jesus himself, and then delivered to us to, by those who had him first. What thing? What, 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 how can we escape? Other versions says, how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It's one of the warning signs that Paul was giving to the people of the Jews, I mean the Jews believers, and for that matter, all Christians, including PIWC. If you, know, if you love that, say amen. And also, one warning sign was that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, he said that be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, will we certainly not escape. We will certainly not escape if we neglect the one who speaks to us from heaven. This is another warning sign that Paul wanted the people to know. And the third one also is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28 to 29. And I read, I'll read from the uh, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to act of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing nigh. 28. For unto one and to anyone who refuses to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy 
on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if they were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take vengeance, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his people. And the 31 says that it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Paul was addressing saints. He's not addressing people of the world. All those, the three things that I've read about, the quotation first is what Hebrews chapter 3, chapter 2, verse 2, and also Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, where you can choose to read from 15. And the last one that I just read is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28 to 31. But you can also choose to read from 23. All these three things that were written were a sign point of warning to the people who really confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. At a time when the writer was writing this, the saint, because of the tribulations and the tremor that was going on then, they all scattered abroad. They were not together. They were scattered. They were going through things. And some of them, I believe strongly, have now begun to take the Christian journey anyhow. So Paul, in his mind, decided to write to encourage the people. But in writing to encourage them, he brought in these three strong warning signs that will lead them to know that though they have been saved, the grace of God has come to save their life, but the grace is not meant for them to spend their life anyhow or to do anything that they pleases. But then the grace is there to help them achieve the aim that is set before them. Hallelujah. So he is telling them that how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Some people thought that once you are saved, you are saved. You can do you your life anyhow. You can do anything that pleases you. And even in this new age, this is some of the theories that people were propounding. That we have freedom to live our life the way we choose. But I'm here to tell you that you should never drift from the truth that you have hold. We cannot neglect such a great salvation that we have gotten. It is so precious to us. Jesus has to share his precious blood for us to gain this faith that we confess now. He has to shed his blood. He went through a lot of torture. Because of your sins, because of my sins, he was beaten. He was beat upon as if he was nothing. Though the Bible said that he was in the, the very image of God, seated right with God, but he chose not to be equal with God. He came down and possessed this wretched body 
so that he can save us from the wrath of God. So with all the pain and all the price that Jesus Christ has paid, we have no choice than to hold firm to the faith that we confess. We have now come to a point that a lot of Christians are in the house of God, but they are living as if they are in the world. And I ask that God should have mercy unto us. Moses, if we look at all that we read and some of the quotations, he said that Moses was a transmitter of God's word on earth to the people of Israel. Moses was used as the mouthpiece, the mouthpiece of God, peace of God to declare his intention unto the people. And how did he do that? He brought in the law at Mount Sinai. But even then, the people disobeyed the law. So if you read the Bible, it makes us clearly, it brought it clearly, that same Hebrews that we read, said that the world, uh, that mountain, was, uh, began to shake as if uh, a, a, a bomb and there was smoke coming out, which represents the judgment of God that God brought unto the people then. And even when he brought the law and he saw that the people were rather disobeying him, the Bible said that the world or the earth parted into two and swallowed thousands of people. Though it was the same God who brought them, he said he was delivering them from what? Egypt. And he's sending them toward the land of Canaan. The promises of God is true. The promises of God is yea and amen. It is the promise that God gave unto his people that I'm delivering you. You are the chosen generation. You are the people I love. Among all the world, among all the nations, the nation Israel, I have chosen you to be my own. And I'm taking you to a place that I have prepared for you. But yet when they disobeyed God, God did not take it kindly on them. The earth parted and swallowed a lot. And even sadly enough, not even Moses could get to the promised land. Because they all erred one way or the other. And the Bible is telling, how can we also, if they didn't escape from the wrath of God because of their disobedience, how can we then say that we have been saved? Therefore, we can escape the wrath of God. The grace is there to redeem us, to help us. But then, if we regard this grace, this mercy that God has brought to us as nothing, as if something without meaning, we incur the wrath of God upon our life. And it is my prayer that this morning, none of us will go that tangent for us to incur that wrath. But that God should deliver us from the wrath of the living God. For it is worse if you fall into the arms and the judgment of God. And Jesus Christ, so Jesus Christ, as Moses was the mouthpiece of God, who spoke the word of God to the people on this earth, I mean the Israelites, so Jesus has also been chosen as the voice of God. Moses is the voice that became, uh, that declared God's intention to the people of Israel. But unto us, Jesus Christ is the voice of God from heaven. 
Hallelujah. He is the very voice from heaven. So if we want any voice to hear, if we want any word to hear, we don't need to consult the old anymore. We must consult what Jesus said. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean that there is no meaning in what happened in the old. What happened in the old uh, is, is what is symbolic of what the reality. So Jesus has become the voice of God. John chapter 1 verse 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was what? God. And this word came unto this earth and put on flesh. He lived his life as if he was man, yet he was the voice of God. Hallelujah. So the voice of God unto us is our Lord Jesus Christ. He has become the voice of God that came from heaven. And if you read Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 to 3, I'm just paraphrasing. He said, just as in the old, God spoke through men, to men by angels and through the prophets. In this our time, God has chosen only his son, his only begotten son, to speak unto us. So there is no any other word that could save man anymore than the words of our Lord Jesus. So if you neglect the word of Jesus, you have neglected your very salvation. Hallelujah. The law of Moses was given to guide the people of Israel towards perfection, yet they broke the law. What Moses gave, the law was given to bring us into perfection. But yet the law in itself was weak. And he couldn't do that. That is why there was the need for what? A substitution. Something else. Something to replace the law. Which was grace. So grace came out of Jesus. Grace and mercy came out of Jesus. So that everybody who will believe in him will have this grace. The grace is there to help us. Grace means that something that you don't deserve. But it has been given unto you. You deserve to die. But because of the grace that I have, I've given unto you, I've decided that you should live. That is what it means. You don't deserve life. You don't deserve to live. You don't deserve to be called the child or the, the son of God. But because of grace, grace has opened this door. Grace is, a, grace is a great door that is open unto anybody who enters. So now that we have entered into this grace, through the mercies that were shed, through the blood, by the blood. There is a need for us to maintain this grace that we have held. We must cherish this grace. We shouldn't throw onto the floor the grace that we have. Thinking that the grace, in the grace there is mercy. Therefore, the mercy will be there for us so far as we, we live. Hello. So we have some people, session of Christians in the world now. They think that you, as a Christian, once you have confessed your sins and your sins has been forgiven, then that is all. It's that Adamic sin that has been forgiven. You go to heaven. The rest, you can do what you like. And I'm here to tell you, it's never true. You can lose your salvation. That's what the Bible is warning all of us. That we should work out our salvation with fear and what? Trembling. Something that you, you should tremble of means that you can lose it. Something that you can shiver of 
means that you can really lose that very thing you have. If you don't take good care of it, you will lose it. Last, our area head was giving an, an uh, analogy or example of somebody who went and won a gold medal and he was traveling on the sea and he was happy that he was having a gold medal. He hasn't gotten home yet for his people to see that this lorries that he has gotten and was throwing it on the ship. He was throwing, if he throws it, then he holds it. Oh, thank God that I've gotten this medal. The last moment the thing fell into the sea. That is how most Christians are playing with the grace that we have. Oh, I cherish this grace. He will throw it off, then hold it. God, I thank you. I have this grace. And they are joking with it. But you can lose that grace. You can lose it. And I pray that nobody in this room will lose that grace. Hallelujah. And as in Exodus chapter 19 verse 18, the mountain of China shook with smoke and fire and the judgment of God came upon them. In this our time, God has also prepared a shaking ahead of us. There is a shaking ahead of us and that shaking will be the last shaking that will ever come upon this earth. That shaking, nothing can save you if that shaking comes. And it will only take those who are firmly rooted in him to escape. If you read Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, it was a prophetic voice that God was giving to the people concerning the future. And I believe that this prophetic word was not meant for the people of old. It's meant for us now. Hallelujah. He is saying that for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. God is about shaking the heavens and the earth and the dry land, all that we see. Bible says that all that we see will pass away. Even the heavens will be melted. The, the stars that we see, everything we see in the skies will just vanish. And even this earth will melt just under this shaking. So I'm here to tell you that there's going to be a shaking. So don't toil with what you have. If you read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 going, I read. He said, I see that you refuse not the him that speaketh. You refuse not him that speaketh. He is talking about our Lord Jesus. For if they escape not, who refused him that spake on earth? Much more, much more shall not we also escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. And the verse 26 says that whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. In the time of Moses, only the earth that, was, that, that shook. And it's not all the earth, only Mount Sinai, where the people, where the people of Israel were gathered. That was the place that shook. But this time, He's saying that there's going to be a shaking. And it's not going to be only the earth, but also what? Heaven. So where do you fly to? 
you can decide to say that, oh, I will take this thing, space, ship, and go. But even there, that shaking will hit you there. It's not only the earth that is going to be shaken, but also what? The earth. The earth and the heavens will what? Will be shaken. And when that happens, brother or sister, where do you go? Your mansions will not save you. Your money will not save you. Your bank account will be there fat. But even you will not have a glimpse of remembering it anymore. Now, what is left is how do I save my soul? That shaking is about happening. And God is telling us that we shouldn't drift from the one who speaks to us. If they neglected the people of old, Israel neglected that of Moses, and then they faced that consequences, then in our time, we should make sure that we don't drift from the voice of the Lord. We don't drift from the messages that we hear. Hallelujah. And the 27 says, And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. There are things that will be shaken on this earth. Anything which is material, anything which is not of the spirit will shake. Anything which is of the flesh will shake. People will shake. Those who live in the flesh will do what? Will shake. They will be extincted. Everything we see around will go. This building will go. Our family will go. Everything we cherish so much than what the Lord God has been warning us and telling us about. All those things will go. They will all shake. They will shake. As things that are made, because they are made. Hallelujah. That those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And what are the things that cannot be shaken? Everything will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. This is the promise that Jesus gave us. Everything on earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So everybody who holds fast to the word of God and is determined not to drift from his words will also not be shaken. I pray that you will be part of the things that will not be shaken. Everything will be shaken. If only you are not of the flesh, but you are of the spirit, the shaking will come, but you will survive that shaking. At that instant, the Bible said there will be a sound of the trumpet of the angels. Archangels. And even those who are dead will resurrect. And those of us who are living with a twinkling of eye we will have died and resurrected. That's what it means. That changing that he's talking about. For those of us who are living, just in a twinkling of an eye, as if you have bring your eyes, you are dead, decayed, you have carried another body. And we'll all be raptured and meet him in the air. Because we have the word of God in us. The word of God that can never be shaken. Everything can be shaken. But the word can never be shaken. If you don't have the word of God in you, you don't cherish God's word. You trample upon God's word as if it's nothing to you. I'm telling you there's going to be a shaking. And it is in this shaking that will determine 
whether you are made of earthly material or you are made of, of heavenly material. Strange to know that even in the house of God, there are people who are made of earthly materials. And we have people who are made of heavenly material. I pray that you become part of those who are made of what? The heavenly material. Those who are made of the heavenly material are those who embrace the word of God and take the word of God, make sure that they will live by the word, not by any other thing. The word of God becomes their standard by which they live. And such people, the shaking will come, but they will remain. The shaking will come, but they will remain. You can't avoid it. It will surely come. But it will take the one who has the word of God in him to survive. And the verse 29 says that for our God is a consuming fire. It means that he's coming to consume everything once again. And that is where there will be the creation of the new heavens and the new Jerusalem. And those who will not be shaken will possess that land. But those who will be shaken will not have part in this new heaven and the new Jerusalem that is coming. I pray that you'll be part of those who will possess the new heavens and the new uh, Jerusalem that is coming. What are some of the signs of those who are drifting? Signs of those who are drifting gradually from this precious thing that God has given unto us. Such people are people who withdraw. When they came to Christ, they came with all their love, with all their heart. They were people who will be first found in the house of the Lord, no matter how the distance they live. Once it is time for church, you see them there. They love the things of God. They are eager to do everything they found in the house of the Lord. I quite remember when we were at Mamobi, uh, that where I accepted Christ Jesus as my Lord. Those I was born in the church, went wayward and came back. And we'd be regularly having programs at uh, Mary Villas, Accra. But we do walk from Roma Ridge to where? Mary Villas. Because that is a central point for the whole greater Accra. We do walk from that distance. If we know that the program will start five, by three, we've started walking. And on this way, the kind of joy that we experience is not something small. You sense within you that you have some joy within you because you are prepared from the house that you are going to meet your God. On the way, we'll be trotting and singing, sing Jama, because we know that we are going to meet God. What do we see in these days? Christ is coming, he's walking anyhow. Even when church is at the gate and Father Church have started, it is now that we begin to carry around. But those times, we rush into the, the house of the Lord. We give reverence to God. The first fire, the fresh fire is working in us. Hallelujah. So if you find out that you are drifting from some of the basic elementary things, that you used to do when you first came to the Lord. Know that, no, you are drifting gradually. Don't draw, don't withdraw from the first thing you started doing. To some of you, 
The very moment you come to church, you kneel down and be praying. You pray asking for God's presence to be there. Now, when it comes to church, it's there that is coming to make friends. So people are in here, not purposely to serve God, but to make friends. Some two are in here, not because they want to serve God, but because they've seen that they have obtained some age and they want to marry. And the best men to have is in the house of the Lord. Let me come and get them. So are some of the gentlemen too. And I'm here to tell you, don't withdraw from the things of God. You choose to sing some time ago. And when you hold the mic and sing, heavily descend. But now, you feel that singing is not part of my ministry. You have laid down that ministry and you are sitting somewhere and thought that you are serving God. You choose to intercede for the church. Now you have withdrawn. You see yourself another level. You have no level in God. In Christ, there is no level. When we go to heaven, eh, there is nothing, anything cease. It is here that I can be to know that I'm the pastor. When we get to heaven, there is no level. And it will even surprise you that the watchman who watches your gate will be at a higher place in the Lord. And you can pride yourself to be an apostle and pastor and you would rather be at the baller doing the zoom lion in heaven. God have mercy on us. In the kingdom of God, I say there is no what? Level. Some of you, you thought that the little education you have made, it has brought me to some level. Those, therefore, the very things I've been doing before, you have withdrawn from it. I will not do it anymore. Formerly, maybe God has given you this passion to support the word of God, the kingdom business. But now you have gotten to a point. I've gotten to a level. I have ceased. I want to tell you, you are drifting gradually from the faith. And I pray that you realize these things and come back to your original state. Remember where you have fallen and come. Hallelujah. We must remember and come back. So don't create levels to yourself. When you read Revelation chapter 2 verse 3, it speaks about the church of Ephesus where God revealed to John at Patmos and was telling them about how they were zealous, their commitment and things that they did unto the Lord. But the angel was telling them that now I have one thing against you. Your first love, you have left it. What is your first love? Those times when we are in a church and immediately it is 6 o'clock, your heart begins to pump. Even when it's 2 o'clock, your heart begins to pump. You know that, no, I have to get up and pray and be interceding for people. You intercede to, let's say, 6 o'clock. You get a bath. You are rushing. You are going to God's house. Now, that rushing is rather to our work, not to the house of the Lord. How many times do you get up? What time do you get up when you want to escape the traffic to ministries? Or your, your office. Some of you get at 3 o'clock. Sometimes you get at 4. 
Sometimes you get out the, the, the time you, you know yourself. Why? You want to catch up with all the traffic. You want to escape all these things so that you'll be the first person to register in your books, in your daily books that, oh, uh, arriver, I came to, I reported 7 a.m., 6 a.m. But when it comes to church, oh, even this time they are doing Bible study. They are doing Bible study. Let me wait small. Bible study is for some people. It's for the pastors and the, the elders and some few people. Let me wait small. When it's eight, I will set off. Yes. I have my level. My level is to just come and listen a bit of the word of God and then give my offering and go home. Go back to your first love. Am I talking to somebody? You see, when I'm talking in the room, it's quiet. That is what I love most. If you studied, I'm not a fan of, hey, no. Some, some churches, hey, hey, hey. They only incite the emotions of the people. They shout, but the people don't take the word. But when the room is cool, I enjoy it. So I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Hello. I'm enjoying it, mama. Hallelujah. I'm not speaking to you only. I'm speaking to myself too. Let's go back to the first love. The things that we cherish most. The things that we were doing before. And one of the signs that what you are drifting from the things of God. When you come to a point that you begin to complain. These complaints didn't start now. I quite remember those times. When the elders we have were on fire and the spirit of the Lord was walking with them, moving through them, and even sick people are being healed. The dead are being resurrected. And thank God, we also experience a bit of that. But I don't blow my horn. Hello? Ah, I'm sorry that in our ministry. And so many things happened. When the fire of God was moving, yet as youth in the church, there were some people who were still not satisfied and they were complaining. And some of them decided to leave the church to go and open their own thing. So these complaints will never cease. So if you give your ears to complaints, you will kill the fire in you. We don't come here to revive, to start the revival. We start the revival from the house. Tell your brother or sister, we don't start revival here. We start revival from the house. Ask yourself, when did you say to yourself that I will fast and pray for the Holy Ghost to fill me? Ask your brother, when did you do that? You can't even remember. When you set fasting yourself, you are only fasting that God, give me husband, give me wife, give me money, give me this, give me that. Those times, when we'll be going to Tachimota Forest, fasting and prayer, 
praying not to travel, not to God to give us husband or those things. We were only praying for one thing, that we will see the presence of the Lord upon our life. Those, that is what we were doing. So when we come to the church, oh, the fire just lit. No matter the person who stands before you. Hello? It could be a Sunday school boy standing here, but because you have charged yourself, I have charged myself and have come to meet. When that Sunday school guy takes the mic, the fire of God will descend. But we, we've all become flesh. Nothing of the spirit matters to us anymore. We don't even meditate. Even money devotion is gone from our life. We don't pray. We don't do these things. Then you come blaming the elders, blaming the pastors. They are to bring some special fire. Don't force us to bring any foreign fire. And that one will not go that way. We'll go the way that our father taught us. What we can do is to organize program. And sadly enough, you organize program and they will not come. He is in the house, expecting the fire of God in his life. And he is in the house. This is how the church started. We had no time praying for things. We know that once we are in the arms of the Lord, whatever is ours will surely come to pass. If the spirit of God is really reigning in your life, you don't struggle for things. The things themselves come your way. In my soul, the fire is burning. In my soul, the praise of glory. In my soul, hallelujah is burning in my soul. Hallelujah. The fire of God was burning. Some of us, we had a glimpse of it. So sometimes if I look at this generation, things that were going on, uh, by January 5th, I'll be 50. <laughs> so at least the church is what? 60 years, eh? Or 62 years. 60 years. So it means that I've seen... 50 years of this church. Isn't it? <laughs> I've seen 50 years of this church. So when people are talking about my queen, I can also talk some. If not, Laboni, the last convention he had with us, I saw this man. Hallelujah. So when our fathers are talking about Macune, I can also proudly talk about Macune. How he's cherished wearing white shirt. Short sleeve. That alone I will not forget. If not, it's worse. Hello? So please, ladies and gentlemen, let's go back to our first love. The kind of love that we have for each other. Let's go back for it. Those are the things that keeps the presence of the Lord in his church. And we are gradually drifting away from it. 
You are sitting by a brother, your sister, whom you claim that you were born by what? With one blood, one spirit, and what? One Lord. Yet, you don't want his body to touch your body. Even if his body touches your body, you do this. And you claim that you want the fire of the Lord to be here, begin to change your attitude. And if you begin to change your attitude, you will not come here to experience it. But even whereas you are on your bed, God will reveal his mysteries unto you. Let's change our life. Let's change the way we do things. Let's change the way we think. Hello? Don't see yourself to be big. Look, I wish I would always come down, 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 down for people to tread on me. Hello? Don't set classes to yourself. In this room, these are the people I move with. These are the people, these people, no, they are not my class. Shame on you. Those classes are earthly things. When the earth is shaking, they will all dissolve. And whoever leave drank into those attitudes will also dissolve with it. But those who will be humble as Jesus is, they will make it. Hallelujah. So check. If you begin to withdraw from the things of God, be careful that you are treading on a dangerous ground. Hello. So we must go back to what? Our first love. And the verse 5 says that, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove the candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. I pray that we will not get to this stage. The mercies and the grace of God is so sufficient. And he's telling us we should just, all we need to do, do is what? We should just repent and come back. Tell your brother, repent and come back. Some people don't desire the fellowship of the brethren anymore. When he comes, that he will decide joining his classmates. Every weekend, he's with his classmate. Year group. There is a spot in Teshinua. And I learned those, that place is meant for such people. They will go there and enjoy themselves. Oh, it, it shows the distinction, isn't it? Classmate. But to come to church, No. We shouldn't neglect the fellowship of the brethren. The very moment that begins to set in your life, know that you are withdrawing gradually from the faith. Hallelujah. After all, who told you that there's a perfect church somewhere? Hello? Who told there's a perfect church somewhere? Perfection will only come when Christ comes. If you like, leave here. Go and join whatever church. Be there. One month, two months, three months. You'll be, ah, sign a hand so at here. 
But outside, you thought that that is the best place you could be. Perfection, once we live on this earth, perfection only comes when Christ shall appear. It is then that everything will become perfect. So, don't neglect your commitment, your dedication to the things of God, your love to God. It should not be said in this room that we have session of people here, they choose to listen what they should listen to. If you are a child of God, every word of God that comes from this pulpit, you embrace it. You don't say, oh, I'm in for anointing. I'm not in for what? Titan. So when Titan is preached, ah, that's not what I want to hear. When giving is preached, ah, that is not what I want to hear. When holiness is preached, oh, that is not what I want to hear. But as the child of God, you embrace the totality of what you should hear. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing of the word of God. The very thing you hear from here, those are the very things that will build your faith. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 says now, now the just shall live by faith. But, in any, but if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. This is God speaking. The just shall live by what? Faith. But if he withdrew, if he withdraw from these very things that we are talking about, if we withdraw from the Christian faith, if we begin to go back, disregard all the things that he first cherished, God said he will not have pleasure. His solo, nekra, it tells that God has souls. Hallelujah. God also has soul, as you have also have soul. So that statement means that he will be against you. I will betize you if God is against you. God should have mercy on us. That God will not be against us, but he will take pleasure in loving us. Hallelujah. So don't withdraw. Tell your brother, don't drift. The next thing is entanglement by this world. The corruption of this world. The bad things of this world. May it not be said about you that as a Christian, you've allowed this world to entangle you to a point that you can't come out of it. If you are here and you've been entangled by this world, I pray by the mercies of the Lord that the grace of God should locate you and deliver you out of it. Don't be entangled by the things of this world. I pray that you will not be entangled by alcoholism. Let us drink small. One time I traveled with some people to a funeral. <laughs> I believe here we don't have one. Do we have one here? Here is silent. We are just here. 
Amen. And to my surprise, I saw in the corner there, some people drinking something in Coca-Cola bottle. But I know the color of Coca-Cola. <laughs> or oh, don't you know the color of Coca-Cola? So the bottle itself is Coca-Cola bottle. But what is in there is as clean and clear, crystal, like water. It tells you another level of drink that exists in that Coca-Cola bottle. So I just drew close a bit and said, ah, have we, as a Coca-Cola company, changed their style? Is there a new brand? I want to know. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, I'm a high-end. Where do you Hallelujah. So they were taking the heavy thing. So when we closed and everything, I station went and sat by one and I engaged him into conversation. And the fuse began, began to show the kind of color I saw in that Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Such a person. He has drifted long ago. Hallelujah. So we should make sure that we are not entangled by what the things of this world. And this time, even in our fish, uh, Facebook and things, you see people, I don't know, uh, these celebrities, they just come out boldly, declare some things, some nasty things, and people will be congratulating them and sort of. Don't be in that habit. Hello? I said, don't be in what? That habit. You can never deceive God. You yourself, you saw you are a lady, you wanted a man to marry you. Yet you held firm to a married man. And you are with him. And you are yet looking for a husband. Ah, you've gotten it already. Take your back. And go to the house. Isn't it? God, he's God. So if your marriage is delaying, then you want to put the blame on your mother, your father. When you are already married to a married man, and you think that you can be in the house of the Lord doing this, and expect God to bless you. Ever ye. And ye. Don't be entangled by the deeds of this world. No matter how difficult the situation will be, God is ready to take care of you. You don't need anybody's husband to make it in life. You have your own husband. And until you leave that man, Yours will not face out. All those who you may think that they are genuine, they are coming, they will only come and knock you and leave you. So we have a lot of ladies who have broken hearts among us. Kofi has broken his heart. Hojo, Sam. Yao, Sam. So in his heart alone, Kofi has taken one portion 
Ajua has taken one portion. Kweku has taken one portion. And the rest. And the men too, we have Ajua, Mana, Memuna. Don't be entangled by the things of this world. Whoever is entangled by the things of this world is drifting. And tell your brother or sister, don't drift. Hold fast the faith that you hold. And as you do that, God will prove himself mighty on your behalf. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, going, it says that, For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled therein, and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Jesus Christ has saved us from all this entanglement already. So we should see to it that we don't allow those things to become what? A yoke on our lives. And he's saying that those who go back to the very things that God has saved them from, they have neglected the very voice that first spoke to them. And their situation, their life, becomes worse than they began. I pray that the message of God will speak in somebody's life. Hello? That is my prayer. That God's message will abound unto us. And the 21 said, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. If you drift away from it, it would have been better if you had not knowledge of it. But I pray that you keep fast the faith that you had. Then after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it, is, but it is happened unto them, which means that if it happens unto them, according to the true Proverbs, the dog is turned to his vomit, his own vomit again. And the saw that was washed to her wallowing in the mare. Don't go back to your vomit. Tell your brother or sister, don't go back to the vomit. I don't want to use that word dog. It's a strong word. But all that I can say is what? Don't go back to your vomit. The very things that Jesus Christ saved you from. Don't go back to it. It is washed with the blood. It is gone forever. Let it go. Hello? 
That boyfriend will not help you. Let it go. If you have a fiancé, and that fiancé wants to see your nakedness before, let him go. He's not meant for you. Any kind of character that you find yourself in, we should let it what? Go. The better things are ahead for us. We have righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, when you hook on to those things, you don't have peace within you. You can come to church, you can dance, you can do what, but you don't have peace. Your life becomes dry. You don't have peace in you. It is only when you forgo those things that you begin to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. James 5.5. 5. You have spent your years on earth in luxury. Satisfy your every desire to have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. Some of you, you are living in your luxury. You have denied God. God is not part of the equation. You thought that your luxury is what you are living for. But the Bible said, I should tell you, you are only making yourself fat to be slaughtered. The very fat animal, that is what we kill, isn't it? Some of us too, that is how we are living. We are getting fatter and fatter with the things of the world. I'm not saying stop eating. I'm talking about things of the flesh. We are making ourselves fatter and fatter with the things of the world. And we thought that that is all. But God is telling you today that whoever lived that way is making himself fatter to be sent to what? To be slaughtered. And may the grace of God deliver you from it. A test case is the rich man in Matthew chapter 19, verse 21 going. Jesus had a discourse with him and told him what he should do. And he started talking a lot. Oh, I'm holy, I'm this, I pay tight, I do all those things. Then Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't work hard to get possessions. But when we value things that we have than that of the things of God, we don't qualify to enter into God's rest. And God have mercy on us. They have forgotten about God. God is not part of the equation. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 12. Then beware lest thou forget the law which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What you have to be careful of that you shouldn't forget where you were. The very things that God saved you from. Know that these are the pitfalls in my life, 
If I fall into it, I may lose it all. Identify that. Let me rush through. Identify that. And that will help you not to forget what the Lord has done. How do we overcome all these things? From world, all that we have read, we found out that we have to draw closer to Christ. That is first thing. We must draw close to, to Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our heart, heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The grace of God is still available unto us. It's only when we draw close to him with a pure and a true heart, with assurance in the faith that we have, that we have the blood of God that speaketh good things than that of Abel. He's ever ready to cleanse our heart, our soul, from every entanglement and everything that solves our garment and to wash us. The blood of Jesus is there to, haul or to wash what? our conscience and to free us from every guilt and to wash us to be pure as we've never seen before. Also, we must hook onto the great advocate we have, which is Jesus Christ, who is still the high priest who knew the things that we are going through. He knew all the challenges. He knew all the problems that we are going through because he has been through all these things, yet he did not sin. We must hook onto this advocate, Jesus Christ. And as we hook onto him, professing our faith in him, he will sustain our life and we will never drift away from the faith. We must continue to confess him. We shouldn't be wavering in any way, trusting in his promise that his promises are true. If what is said about, I'm going to prepare a place for you when I'm down, I'll come and take you. If indeed it is his word, then it is true. That he's preparing a place to us, for us, which is more glorious than what you have now. We must also consider our brothers than ourselves. That is another thing that we must do. We shouldn't see ourselves to be superior to anybody. Even your housemate, don't see yourself to be superior than he, he or she is. See even your housemate as the creation of God, the image of God. Give him or her that due respect. And as you do that, you'll be pleasing God. Let's make sure that we don't ignore the gathering of the saint. But whenever the gathering of the saint is, we must be delighted to be there. It is then that we can be exalted. It is then that we can be encouraged to overcome all these things. And we must arm ourselves. Arm your thoughts with the word of the Lord. And with discipline and with self-control. Trusting in the Lord that you will never, never allow anything to let you drift from the presence of the Lord. You can read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says, so prepare your mind for action and exercise self-control. We must do that. And lastly, we must fill our minds with God's word. 
and live in the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, we will overcome. May the good Lord bless us. And may we come to the level where we shall never drift away from the faith that we hold. May we not drift from the confession that we have made. May we not drift from the good things that we love doing. Let's keep doing it. And we know there is a reward awaiting for us. God bless us all. Amen. Amen.